0: Welcome to Health Impressions, the show about authority, acquisition, and retention. I'm your co-host, Brian Cush, co-founder of Title Health Group, a digital marketing agency specializing in healthcare. I'm accompanied by Jay Parkinson, Chief Medical Officer of Sana, a health plan that delivers high-quality healthcare while keeping costs down. Our show focuses on the cross-sections of marketing, patient experience, and product development. We explore strategies for providing high-quality care, enhancing patient experience, and retention through cutting-edge technologies. We'll be speaking with like-minded industry leaders who will be sharing their learnings and spilling some secrets, too. Jerry Hobbs, welcome to the show. Uh, really excited to have this conversation with you yeah thanks for thanks for having me I'm excited as well yeah sadly jay can't join us today at some uh, personal conflict so you're stuck with me and my uh, uh, fortified bonsai tree over here so he's going to take the role of uh, jay today i want to hear from jerry jerry's background of what drove him more emotionally what drove him personally with all this experience
1: and where you are you know i that's i don't know where to start but it the first thing that comes to mind, Brian, is a kind of a an accidental healthcare marketer, maybe I never intended never dreamed of of spending a career in healthcare care um, had lots of other thoughts and um always liked to solve problems and you know thought I was pretty good at figuring things out right and uh, all those things that had to do with marketing, but just kind of. The door opened and I ended up in healthcare marketing and have been there for way too long to tell you today on a recording, so. I think that's a great synopsis. I mean, that's where you and I connect on is
0: I would consider myself an accidental healthcare marketer. I was much more on the performance end. And you and I, you've educated me drastically over the years of how to think bigger, how to understand market orientation. And maybe we were talking beforehand about a quote that kind of you really resonated with. Maybe we start there. And uh, and and we'll just elaborate.
1: Yeah, I was uh, very young uh, back on the hospital side, and I met this gentleman by the name of Terrence Wren, Terry Wren. and um, I'll I I was I don't know I was having a meeting with a client this morning, and this kind of so for some reason it jumped back in my mind, and I wrote it down because I wanted to tell you about it. So. It's, you said the primary challenge is not convincing the market to be enamored with, um, with the health system, but convincing the health system to be enamored with the market. I thought that's pretty powerful. (laughs) Pretty
0: powerful. I love that. I mean, that's to you, to your point, that is market orientation is understanding your consumer, not forcing something down their throat.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I've always, um thought of myself. I mean, first the marketer and, and it's, it's been kind of a, you know, landing in a category. Uh, when we started this company, Prairie Dog, um, Phil Smith and I, Phil was a, uh, creative director at J. Walter Thompson and DDB Needham and such, but J. Walter Thompson was very, um, I know they were very market oriented. They weren't your, your normal ad agency just jumping to creative ideas. And they, they were, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they created the create, they, they're the origin of the creative brief. You know, you have to have a strategy that you're pursuing, a strategy that solves a problem. Right. I and, and so him and I hit it off really well. And we started down this path after I left the health system world of really trying to help um, people in, in the healthcare category embrace the marketing concept, you know, the marketing process and just the the idea of what marketing really is. And I started a long time ago, and it, it was very comms-oriented, still in many places is. And um, and that's what we've been about. But, you know, that quote just is so perfect. And, and yeah. I... Over the years, you've studied a lot of different things, and it's pretty similar to what Drucker says marketing is. And and I, I'll paraphrase because I you know probably can't quote him too much, but it's it's like the whole company seen through the point of view of the customer. It's like marketing connects the audience, whomever that is, to your company, and by you know it's just inherent in that whole idea that you you have to understand your company really well. But more importantly, you got to figure out, you know, how to connect with that audience and understand them, And that's where it all begins. And things get pretty easy when you start there sometimes, you know, if you can get people to start there, that's the hard part. So yeah, it's funny, even early on, and I think it's what kind of
0: spread my journey to connect with you and really understand you is even when we weren't in the more traditional branding world, we'd always get delivered these assets as performance marketers from creatives or more branding or comms. And they it was always this universal theme of 10 doctors and lab coats and this big surgical arm of technology going, well, here's the visual we want you to promote. And it's like, okay, you're the best and you use the best technology. Like where does that resonate with the consumer? But we were the performance marketers. So like we knew nothing. we were like, oh, we always had that train of thought of just like, great. Like you're all in lab coats and you, you got the new surgical technology. Like how does it solve someone's problem? Like, who are you speaking to as a consumer? And like meeting you just like totally pulled dredged up a lot of those interactions over the years. There's a great story I always resonate when I think of you about your not only the placement in the role, but the kind of discovery around the women's health uh, service line that you worked for. I'd love you to tell that story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was about 23 years old. And, um, and I was responsible for, um, planning the database and all the, you know, supporting the whole planning function of this hospital system, health system I was in and, um, Ernst and Young came to town and, um, they've changed their names a few times since then, but it's a pretty big deal. And I got embedded in that group for over a year to you know, kind of learn from them and support them at the same time. It was purposeful. And at the end of the day, you know, we, there's a really, really strong, I mean they were, they were very good, this team, led by Dennis Molmans. Um And uh, strategic plan was very thorough. It was actually a plan. It had a clear strategy. It wasn't just kind of a bunch of pillars and stuff everybody else is doing. It was, it was a choice about where we were going to play and how we are going to win. And one of the things that came out of it was a service line initiative. And they recommended that I be the person that kind of implement that. And so my CEO called me into her office one day and she says, Jerry, you're gonna you're gonna do this. You're gonna lead this first service line as you kind of help us define how we do service lines here. And I said, Cool, cardiology, right? She says, No, I'm thinking women's health. And, you know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I have no idea what to do with that. Right. I mean, I knew where we were headed, but, you know, what do women want in healthcare? I can't be the right person for that. And she said, um, and I should have thought this myself. She goes, you're exactly, that's exactly why we're picking you to do this. It's because you, you know, the number one rule of marketing is you're not the audience and you don't know anything. You have to go out and understand the audience. So, that whole market orientation that I kind of was trained in um, was what she was tapping into and what I relied on to define this product and on the service line. It was really a wonderful experience. It turned out to be um, nationally recognized. Um, today it's still a pretty strong program, I'm still obviously proud of it, but one of the really cool things that we did, just one component, kind of illustrates this well. Um, So one of the components we knew we needed was a breast health center, uh, or program. So I always believe, again, kind of consistent with this whole marketing process. You know, you got to diagnose, you've got to determine your strategy, then your tactics. And um, so we went to the market to try to understand where women were on this whole topic, and we um, we quickly learned that, and and we didn't we weren't like, what do you want? You know, we were trying to figure out what functions needed to to be in place. Like Craig Christensen would say, um, you know, what job? What's the job to be done? What do these women need us to accomplish for them? And you know, like you said, you know, well, we want the best technology. Blah blah blah. That's where your head usually goes in an expert oriented organization like most health systems. But what we heard was, you know, I. I, I don't want to go in the first place. I dread this thing; it's a terribly uncomfortable experience. I'm I'm afraid of what I'll find out. I'll go home and maybe you know and worry until I hear from him. If I do hear from him, all those kind of things, we quickly realized that we were competing not with other mammography groups or breast health centers. We were competing with fear and and anxiety and those things. And so we designed the program. Um, from that market orientation, um, we, the processes, the, the environment, the, and all those pieces. One thing we did is we gave them the results before they left. I think we were the, one of the first, if not the first in the country to do that. They didn't have to go home and worry. They knew exactly what, you know, we gave them a a result before they left. We had, we hired people to walk out and greet them in this wonderful, this beautiful place. It didn't look anything like a hospital setting and engage them in conversation to distract them from their anxiety. And several other things were kind of baked into that whole product. So, again, this was marketing to me. It was understanding my audience, understanding what we wanted to do, and then figuring out how we're going to do that, and then considering all the Ps, you know, um, not just how we're going to advertise it. So, What an amazing just like early interaction and exposure. I mean, even
0: when I think about like the – the youth of Jerry to be in a position with such a forward-thinking CEO
1: to place that's you to understand well. that yeah. to
0: understand that role. I mean, you weren't competing against the technology; you were you were competing against the human condition, I mean, and that yeah. that's like that is what the the product of healthcare is. I think so many people forget that that there's always this
1: like optimization. Yeah, I grew up in a really nice organization. Um, mm-hmm. We were also part of uh, a group that helped create what's known as Ask a Nurse. This is a long time ago. Um, and it brings to mind this, you know, this idea that I think it was a realization that people don't need a hospital very often, right? With well, the utilization rates are, what are they? Less than 10% of the population in a year would actually have a hospital admission. And, you know, and um, so how do you keep in mind all the time how do you keep in touch and relevant to to the community to to the consumers in the market well they they had this idea that we got to kind of ride along with them around um this idea of asking us which is basically 24 7 call and ask us questions call us it wasn't a physician referral you know upfront kind of thing. It was more just trying to address everyday needs. And that was kind of cool. It was a very innovative place. And so I was lucky to be there. I'm going to tell a super funny personal sidebar that has nothing to do
0: with this, but I think validates that concept (laughs) is I used to work for Carnival Cruise Lines like 15 years ago. And I I worked on board the ships and we introduced this concept called AMA, which is ask me anything. So literally the day that the day, the consumer that, oh God. Patience. The day the guests embarked on the ship, we wore this big funky red T shirt and I had to walk around that said "Ask Me Anything." And it was yeah. exactly that. Like people were always confused that where is boat drill going to happen? Do I have to go to boat drill? Like, where is my room? Like, how do I? What food yeah. is open now? And it was just like that catch all. Go like, okay, it's not on you to to navigate through this crazy contraption of a massive cruise ship. We're here to help you know exactly what you need an answer to like what a simple train of thought that like why healthcare
1: would not be so heavy into that you know that's awesome we had this i talked to this person this morning wendy Fair. she's now at a senior living organization that i work with as a client and she was at a hospital in new york um, rochester new york many years ago called unity hospital small hospital in that whole market um, we helped him with brand strategy and a lot of things and it was so fun. Um, it was a, it was a very audience oriented place and you could get that vibe just by interacting with people, kind of doing, you know, a little ethnography and in situation walk arounds, just seeing what the place was like. But we did kind of these, these fun things that, you know, I remember a billboard or excuse me, a. um. An elevator wrap that said, um, "We love questions. Ask us anything." You know, which talked to our people and talked to the you know the visitors at the same time. A lot of fun things like that 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 just tapped into this mindset they already had and reinforced it. But it was a nice place. Um, I don't know. you made me think of that. I have lots of stories after all these years. <laughs> I want to dig in. I took a
0: note from your story that uh, to me resonates, and I feel like even resonates in the clinical language. You put this order statement of diagnose strategy tactic which i love yeah. and i think the, the the choice of word of diagnose is fantastic and I, yeah and almost in in those illustrations even the visual i gave of the doctors with the technical new surgery arm like that that to me is an end tactic which is clearly not market oriented and so right. often the place they start but this like flipping on the head and using the word diagnosis to me is like do you find that that resonates when you're Interfacing with clinical to go like yeah you don't just like hand a
1: prescription to a patient like you got to diagnose them first. Well, hope I hope we don't right. Um, the um, there was a book out a few years ago by a doctor it was a New York Times bestseller and it said one of the things you should do is is always ask your doctor questions to cause them to think because they do just like any human being get into kind of this habit. of of assuming and seeing, and, you know, it's, it's the cognitive bias, what of availability, right. And you kind of confirm what you think. But if you ask someone a question, it causes them to consider alternatives and it's a smart thing to do. Anyway, that's an aside, but yeah. um, Okay. So to me, it's funny uh, that is the marketing process, right? That's the marketing discipline. And we didn't come up with that here, that has been in place for a long, long time. And, um, you know, if you have a market orientation, right, if you start and you believe that I don't know anything, the minute I become part of an agency, a consulting group, a company, you know, an, an organization as an employee, you're not the audience anymore. You actually can't even see probably your own organization accurately. And so you need to assume that, you know, I'm a tool and I need to learn. And, and, I, and the power of ignorance needs to kick in. And so if you embrace that idea and you're open and you're observing and you're really trying to understand your audience and you know the inside of your organization, those sort of things that, that kind of get you started, that makes you um, have to do diagnosis, have to do research, have to learn, right? So that's that's kind of that orientation is what starts you as a marketer down this process, the marketing process. And we believe in it. I use it for everything I do. And, um, so yes, diagnosis, I got to understand the problem and even the human problem. Sometimes when I'm working on brand or communication behind the problem, not just the business problem, but the human problem behind that. And then I have to figure out in that process, you know, what's going to unlock, what's the insights going to unlock that problem. Um, you know, what is my, I mean, I have to understand what my audience is up front and what segments are within that audience. And, then I get to strategy Brian and then I have to make choices. Strategy is not we're going to do everything. Strategy is a choice about where we're going to play, you know, what segment or what audience we're going to pursue, what space, what market we're going to play in and then how we're going to win in that in that in that particular market. That's strategy to me. And then once we know, you know, where we're going to play and how we're going to win, the tactics kind of fall flow, right? How we're going to carry that out. They have to They have to just kind of work through that, and I don't know. There are a lot of different frameworks to to kind of think through that. That follow always that same diagnosis, strategy, tactics. But you know, I I gave a talk at the summit. I think you and I were at that same. I don't. It's been a few years ago, and um, for the healthcare uh, forum, um, healthcare forum, and um, it was titled the. um, uh, too much, pull, too much running, not enough play. Right. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but, um, a friend of mine, Mark Pollard, who wrote, who's since written this book called, um, Strategy Is your words. He's really amazing. You should look him up. Um, he, he has this organization called Sweathead, and he's, he's just remarkably creative and smart. Um, he's in New York there with you. Uh, he lives there and we're all the, the wonderful, uh, Air quality is right now with the fires. But but anyway, um, he told this story. I remember hearing this story. And it was about this soccer player named Andrew Andrea Pirlo. I'm not a soccer fan, but I love the story. And apparently this guy was a legend in Italy and, in, you know, in the upper echelon of, of soccer. And then later in his career, he came to the United States. And a reporter asked him about the style of play here versus what he was used to before and how his style of play seemed so different. And he basically said, these Americans, they just run, you know, they, they, there's a lot of running, a lot of running, you would say. And, and, um, you know, a lot of physicality to this sport and a lot of running. <laughs> and then he said, well, and I, I let the ball run. I let them run. I kind of watched to see how things are developing. And, um, put that all together and then I, then I act. And I mean, I'm paraphrasing this story, shortening the story, but the idea, and he said, so this, this American game, too much running, not enough play. And, and so my, now, you know, I would apply that to too much uh, tactics, not enough marketing, too much uh, communications, you know, not enough marketing. And so often we kind of where we started marketing becomes, you know just advertising and that's not what it is it's much bigger than that as we said earlier it's kind of what connects yeah, I mean, you to the audience to your company and uh, so yeah that, no, that's that a great process. analogy yeah there's so many
0: parallels i mean i think about even on like a lot of our audience and is even more in the health tech side of having like SaaS platforms and technologies and there's a really interesting poll i saw recently that was Uh, across these technology companies. And I said, where where are your new feature sets coming from? Like, Where's the source of what you're telling your development team to build? And 80% of it was from internal ideation. Yeah, And it's just like that, the same concept. And we had another CMO, we talked to a woman, Bethany Hale, who is the CMO for Cedar, is a big insurance uh, technology platform. She was a brand advisor for IBM Watson. And she goes, the biggest thing I do is it's, sit on conversations with the elderly woman that's using the technology to try and understand how to decipher her medical bill and he goes that's where most of our feature sets are stayed obsessed with is those conversations and it's like it it resonates to me in so many different areas that it's like even though it's a health service you and i have a lot more experience in. we've i've gotten to talk to a lot of people across the striations of healthcare marketing and even
1: insert technology and the same problem exists. Boy, so many thoughts come to mind when you tell that I, I I was sitting in a ideation. I got invited by a client to a, an ideation sessions, like a retreat and it was sponsored by, hosted by one of the big EMR companies. I won't say who, <laughs> and, um, It was like how to, and then of course we were talking about how to improve the patient journey, and you know all those things we talk about today, which is important. Um, It's funny we're just now talking about that. I mean, but at the level we, I guess we are today. But but it was funny. I kept listening, and everything was a solution that um, was a technology solution, and we and I, I couldn't take it anymore, and I finally said. Say where's the, where's the consumer in this whole thing? Where's the patient in this whole thing? You know, is everything a tech solution? Are there other things that need to be, you know, there are other solutions. How do we even know what solutions are? Because form should follow function. Shouldn't we figure out what we need to do before we figure out how we're going to do it and what the need, you know, I was kind of doing that thing and they look at me like, okay. And I told this story about my son and uh, he'd be embarrassed, but okay. Um, he was sitting in his office one day and we were, my wife and I were traveling and we got this call and he's like, the side of my face has gone numb and I, and I'm scared. He said, I don't know what this is. And of course, you know, we're not medical people just, you know, we just slept at holiday Inn a couple times in our lives, you know, you didn't, you're probably too young for that ad, but, um, I always thought it was a funny ad, but anyway, um, my wife, who was who worked at one of the local health systems in, a, in an administrative role, she's like, "Well, um, you got to go find an urgent care. You got to see somebody." So he gets in his truck, drives down the street, and the first thing he sees is something that looks like an urgent care. It's on the corner, and it has a health system name above it, and it says, "You know," and so he goes in. They see him and they, they quickly diagnose it as, uh, I guess, what, a sinus infection or something. And and they they send him over to Walmart to get a over-the-counter, you know, fix for that. And a week or so later, he gets a bill for $1,500. And he calls us again and he says, I have no, what in the world? And I said, where did you go? Well, he went to a a a hospital kind of what they call them, these little micro hospitals, um, an emergency kind of an emergency center. See, he was being billed on a hospital emergency basis, not on an urgent care basis. He had no idea. He had no idea. No one had told him he's, you know, in his 20, early 20s 20, or late 20s at the time. And, and he'd never read his plan or didn't know any of this stuff. He's he just needed it when he needed it. And he kind of went with what looked like it was an urgent care center. And it's just, it's just a kind of the way our business goes. And so I told him that story and I said, how do we help him avoid that? You know, how do we get him in the right place at the right time? You know, the whole thing we talk about in healthcare and the, and the right care. And uh, they looked at me like, you know, do you have an app for that? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's you see where I'm going. We don't think about where people are. And, and, and I guess the gist of that is he didn't think about it all. He doesn't think about healthcare one second out of his day until he has to, right. And then he doesn't know much at all. He's not paying attention to us. And I think that realization is kind of a great place to start in some cases in our category. But anyway, I, I, um, I think that whole that whole jump to solutions and technology, but you know, Steve it's Jobs. A great
0: story. I'm gonna I'm gonna summon my inner Jay now. You know, he's not yeah. here, and like the that story represents Jay's background is like that exactly. experience your son right. had was the perfect re- representation of an industry forcing its consumer to navigate the complexity of it versus yes. the consumer. Yes understanding or being shepherded through the complexity and that's like and then we'll throw this visual up but it was I think we discovered it with Jay I never even saw it, it was a super
1: oh old so cool
0: you have it Brooklyn subway billboard we'll throw it up yeah and uh, the, the rough of the visual was this rats nest of a stethoscope and it said traditional healthcare the person on the front end and then the end of the stethoscope and then Jay's brand was Sherpa and it was a straight line, that stethoscope, and it said, "How Sherpa will help you navigate yeah. through healthcare." And it's, it's like so that's your son's experience. And I mean, that was like 15 years ago, 18 years ago. You and him have so much, just like ahead of the curve thinking. So that's my one summon and rep- represent Jay and, and, and virtual Jay. right
1: now. Yeah, I love that. I I did a screenshot when talking to him. I was so I he popped it up I'm like I gotta save that. It's such a <laughs> simple communication that didn't take well the idea was so cool about it was the communication was just as simple as what he was marketing the idea of simplicity and and it was very smart but i i was thinking about back to your technology piece you know i've heard this often thrown up that you know Consumers don't know what they want. Well, they don't always articulate it, but you can listen and 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 get to it. Kind of like my, you know, the mammography story, if you will. They didn't tell us they wanted their results before they left. It never even came up. It was the thing, how do we solve anxiety, right? That was the deal. And people will say, well, you know, Steve Jobs, and there's a quote that's taken out of context. It's and I can't remember the exact words, but you know, they say, well, he didn't believe in research. He didn't do research. He you know, he came up with ideas and people bought them. You know, ideation, and that's not true at all. Um, a lot of the things that he would do, he would he would go sit in these computer clubs and just listen and watch and observe and ask questions. And then when I guess there was a big lawsuit at one point with Microsoft, if you remember, they, there was a story about how many trucks of of, uh, you know, discovery in terms of, of evidence that was actually market research. I mean, it, it, <laughs> even and Steve Jobs believed in audience, you know, consumer, you know, orientation. So even. No yeah, i obsessed what they, over them. I listened to an interesting
0: podcast recently about that, that like, because of the yeah. new vision pro quest headsets that just came out. And like yeah. people debating on whether they'll be successful or not. And I that's uh, way about my pay grade, but it was always interesting. And they mapped back all their wins as they were never first to market with anything. They like let the market find the problems and kind of be their own consumer research to then go all well, now I'll step in with the behemoth of the Apple trust brand and deliver a product that meets the consumer's needs that's already kind of been ideated by other companies and it mapped it you know, back like 20 years of all their big
1: wins that they were never first to market with anything. Never first. That's interesting. I, there's another kind of framework that you taught as a marketer other than the, you know, the, the diagnosis strategy, um, tactics. I always add measurement to that by the way, but, um, it's the three C's, right? The three C's. Um, and I think, uh, Ichoma I forget who I should you always want to give credit to things but um, that's been around for a long time and it's basically um, um, your company, your uh, customers and your competition. And you have to make sure you understand what you're really good at, what your competency is right and make sure you're real about who you are and what you what you're good at. Well they're phenomenally good at design and, and simple you know design, intuitive design. And then you have to connect with the consumer's needs. You have to understand what those are. But then you also need to, to kind of learn from the, what the competitors are doing, how they're positioning, what their products are doing and not doing. So that's a Apple, I guess, masters the three C's, you might say. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get your, just
0: like trying to get not in the tactics of a, a campaign strategy, but in the little bit of the, uh, the weeds and how you think about like even budget, budget allocation. And I, I, in my head, I, you made this comment before about this kind of sub 10% utilization and a uh, frame, some oh. kind of quantitative data around that. And I'd be curious to how you think about kind like, even budget, yeah. budget allocation is the number that jumped out to me. Uh, and this is again, like I have such a performance search background is we always are proponents of this, study that Google put out that analyzed 100 billion healthcare searches online and they broke it into four categories. The two smallest categories were brand and treatment, which was fluctuates anywhere between like 10 and 15%. The bulk of the healthcare searches were symptoms and conditions. They were the the simple layman things that people suffered from that may not have caused a need for care, but they didn't know what they had. They didn't know who they need to go to or who should be treating them and it just it kind of aligns with that Just made that connection and aligns with this like utilization number that if everyone's in this bottom of the funnel acquisition they're all playing in just the 10 to 12 percent field of someone ready for care so Um, i mean is that a good number to think about 10 to 90 like how do you even think about well
1: it's even less so i i did some work the other uh while i was doing a Presentation with um, another gentleman. Um, he's a CEO of Multicare. We were talking about some new things that that have kind of come around in the marketing world. Um, evidence-based work that's kind of come out of the UK over the last ten years. That's just making its way to to the states here, and and so I, I did a couple. I mean, I think one percent of the market in a given year is actually looking for maternity care. 1% is in market in a year. I think, I think it's like half a per percent is in market for total joints in a year. And cancer is about the same. Half a percent of people are in the market. And so there's some, boy, there's so much to this, but there's some things that I, I we spoke on this at the last summit of the forum for healthcare strategy and um, it's called The Long and Short of It. There's work that's been done by Dr. Byron Sharp, who wrote How Brands Grow, that I highly recommend, you know, anyone who's a marketer read it because it's new stuff. It's, uh, you know, I believe we don't know what we don't know, but we need to keep trying to figure out what we don't know. And there are things I've said, you know, during my career that, he's, that I now have done a switch on, a flip on because of what I've learned from Dr. Sharp's work. Um, and then Les Bennett and Peter Field, who are, um, essentially known as the the experts on advertising effectiveness, if you will, in the world, they did some work called the long short of it. And then there's a gentleman at the Ehrenberg Institute with Dr. Sharp called John Dawes. And I'm going to skip all that because it's a lot. It's too much for our time we have, but I'll say this, um, when you, it's funny, you have these people searching for all these general categories and needs, and only a very few searching for a specific provider around those things. I think that's very interesting and very telling about our category. Um, Dawes came up with this heuristic, if you will, rule of thumb that says, at any given time, across all all you know brands. And only 95% of the people or 95% of the people are not in market at all. And 5% are in market. Um, and so the belief is, you know, we've spent so much money um, and continue to spend so much money on that 5% trying to time that market. And a lot of this work suggests that's not really effective. That what we need to be doing is building brand so it kind of goes to this whole thing about you know daniel kahneman's whole work around system one thinking you know you need to have this mental availability of a brand that is constant you you reach as many buyers as you can with this and you build this shortcut in their minds you know in this case you know if i'm in kansas city where i happen to be I want to be the health system brand that they think of and that I can, and I maintain that, that mental availability of my system. And obviously have some key associations with it. So when they get in market, when they are the 1% that year that need maternity services, they're not going to Google maternity services. They're going to Google my brand, maternity services. And it's this whole idea that we just, we need to realize that advertising is an investment in future sales, not so much, you know, this immediate idea, I'm going to put paper clicks out there and I'm just going to rack up sales. You've got to build this mental availability that is an asset to you when people are in market ready to buy. So, I don't know if that's where you're going, but I think it's a pretty- No, 100%.
0: Yeah. I always, I mean- <laughs> You're in my thoughts a lot around that because we get pushed so heavily into this and it makes me think of that funny cartoon you sent of this, <laughs> okay, great, like the pay-per-click ad conversion from a phone call. And it's like, yeah. well, let's dump all the money into that. And uh, we always have to explain this concept of like, just because something converted here, number one, doesn't mean there's limitless capacity to spend millions or billions or whatever dollars on that exact moment. Right. but there's a bigger context on, well, where did that user even interact before that? And maybe, maybe take a stab, we'll throw the cartoon up, but maybe like give a synopsis of the, the yeah. visual. Cause I think it really underscores that idea.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll actually, I think the best way to maybe, I mean, first of all, markets, I think it's markatoonish or I forget you. Mm,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: They're phenomenal. Right. And, um, just google that and you'll see some just incredibly fun cartoons but anyway the idea to me is is really a lot about what bennett and field discovered is that they found that advertising effectiveness had been declining for some time and they measured in terms of profit big business effects like profit growth market share and so advertising effectiveness as measured by those what are most important measures um, was declining And they found that the reason for that in a nutshell was that brand build was declining considerably long-term brand build kind of work and short-term activation bottom of funnel kind of work mostly at that time. Digital was just increasing and not that either one is not that, 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 that activation is bad. It was just things had gotten out of balance. Right. And so, they have advocated based on their modeling and a lot of work since that we need to invest at a higher rate, higher proportion in long term brand build and less in short term. And it's different based on your business. Most would say our healthcare care businesses, you know, they have a heuristic of 60-40. I think our, our business is a little bit more 70-30. Maybe the best way to, to kind of to uh, talk about this cartoon is with a story. And it's a story that's well publicized now, but the it's related to the the Bennett and Field work. The long and short of it that, that we talked about, and Simon Peel, who was the I guess the head of marketing at Adidas, worldwide marketing leader for for Adidas, they um, were spending their budget allocation was I believe twenty three percent. Um, sales activation, bottom of funnel kind of work. And 77% uh, brand build, or excuse me, just the opposite. 23% brand build, 77% activation. And for some reason, their Google Ad AdWord um, program stopped. Something interrupted it. And for some time, and they were pretty worried about that. And But what they... But the experience is that there was no difference in sales or website activity. It didn't affect the business as they feared it would. And so um, Peel was aware of Bennett and Field's work, this long and short of it work. And um, so he decided that they would try the modeling on their own business. And what they found out was that 65% of their growth. Which they thought was coming from the sales activation was coming from the 22 percent of their 23 percent of their 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 marketing that was brand build and so long story short they they flipped the the model to more of a 65 35 i think is where he said they ended up in his presentations um to to focus more of their money on brand build because that's what was driving their growth in sales not um not necessarily the activation the pay-per-click and so how it relates to the story is they were, they were basically, you know, the KPIs they were using, last click attribution, it looked like, you know, everything's being driven by, by my, my 77% of my, you know, that digital budget, if you will, pay-per-click budget that they were spending a lot of money on when, in fact, the data said otherwise when they did the modeling. So that, yeah, that I can cartoon takes you right through that, their experience yeah. in a really quick way. So it's kind of fun.
0: I can validate that too. Cause we always get that question. Like all of our clients obviously are much smaller than a, a Nike or, uh, yeah, like an Airbnb and these big anecdotal. And I, and I drive it down to that. Like sometimes we work with small multi-location practices and we uncover the same thing. It's very common. We'll come in and they're spending an exorbitant amount of their money on search. They're spending an exorbitant of their money, what they call like brand defense. And it doesn't have to even be accidental. We'll do the analysis and go, well, these people were already in market for your, for your service. So you're just literally inflating the cost of acquisition right. for this customer that you already spent money elsewhere to drive them. And we'll literally, re- we'll remove and we'll pause the campaigns and I'll have zero effect on the bottom line of the business or we'll shift well, that money somewhere else.
1: And we, yeah, found- there's a lot of interesting things. I mean, we, there's, there's been, and I maybe I'm just sensitive to it, but it seems like a lot of emphasis when you go through potential recessions and, you know, the pandemic and things where, oh, we need to um, focus and retrench around retention and let's spend money on, on retention and that's the way we'll grow and some of those kind of things. And um, and we, even in some of the work I see, people want to focus on the heavy buyers, you know, the, the people who buy us more frequently have a higher propensity. Well, the sharp work I referenced earlier very clear. You know, uh, sometimes sixty percent of of a company's uh, growth, if you will, is coming from light to you know very light to frequent buyers. The way you grow is by acquiring new buyers, people who've never bought you before, people who have bought you very minimally or infrequently not so much focusing on the your your money on the ones who, who bought a lot, they're probably gonna do that again. It's <laughs> there's, there's, there's a logic to it that's kind of funny once you back away and look at the data and go, huh, okay. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you said it earlier and I always have and it's honestly something I kind of preached to my team of this is like in the advertising and investment and future sales potential. Like that, like, it's so funny to me how much we have to remind the industry of healthcare about that. Like you said, there is this transactional instant gratification view of, oh, okay, like money spent is this client retention or like you're saying this immediate effect result. And like it becomes this nasty kind of self-perpetuating circle that it's kind of like confirmation bias. Like, oh, great, showing conversion, which is some action. But is that action actually driving growth? Mm -mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny. You could, if you're doing, um, I mean, I've seen it, uh, just a campaign where you focus on, um, people with a propensity to buy and, and, you know, a certain proxy. It's ROI can look really, really good, but it does not mean you're growing. It's not a measurement of growth. It's a measurement of fish of efficiency, right? And, if I have people who already buy me that I am marketing to, yeah, I am gonna, I am gonna, it's gonna work. But that's not acquisition necessarily. It's not growth. It's sometimes our metrics are can be pretty misleading. You know, the ones we we uh, we use to to hold up in front of our executives to prove we are measuring things uh, aren't necessarily always measuring what we need to be measuring. So, yeah. what well, I mean, as the them- right. <laughs> Yeah.
0: I mean, is there some universal metrics or kind of areas to explore that I you can, I, I know it's, mm. it's a, it's a heavy term or a heavy question because I understand it's market specific, special, specific company specific. Yeah. I mean, is there a framing to help people rethink
1: even? It's really hard, right? <clears throat> At the end of the day, what really matters? Why are we, why are we doing what we're doing? I mean, we're doing it to grow our businesses, right? so the, when I I look at the effectiveness um, the big effects that that you look at in that Bennett and field work, they understand that it, it, we're here to as marketers to increase market penetration to increase share and um, and that's that's really our job growth is our job if you will I mean it's more than that but and it's there's a lot of elements to that but it is really hard to tie, um, brand building to, to tangible growth, you know, to really connect that the way they've done it is through, um, and there's a lot of promise and a lot of believers in this, uh, is through modeling, you know? And, um, so there are people who are doing that. It's not easy. There's so many variables you have to consider. There's, Tons of data that you have to be able to put into the, you know, into your gr- regression. But it is, um, that's one way. Uh, I ask it, the, the, what we do with our brand bill measurement is it's first you have to understand it's long term. It is not measured by ROI. Um, and you have to have, honestly, some beliefs in some of the science that's proven how brands grow and how they actually work. And so we we recommend there's there's four pieces we do with most of our clients. One of for the brand bill piece is clearly we need a tracking survey. A basic tracking survey every year that takes us that that covers the entire funnel from mental availability all the way through to the bottom funnel of preference and so on. And then we have attributes that we've, we've developed that we know are important to our brand and to our market and we We look to see how what impact they have um, on those different funnel variables, right? So there's that tracking survey, share of mind, and then it gets a little deeper than that. That's important. Um, Then we do share of voice. Share of voice has been proven by a lot of academic scholars for many years as a uh, highly correlated number with uh, market share. And so... um, when you look at share of voice, it's, if you have extra share of voice over your market share, you tend to grow. This has been proven for many categories. If you have, um, you know, share of, if your share of voice is lower than your market share, you tend to decline over time. It lags. So we do that. We also do um, clearly market penetration and market share and those those numbers that matter. And so that's something we get involved with in helping folks. And then finally, there's a new thing that we are experimenting with called Share of um, Organic Branded Search. And I mentioned Bennett and Field, uh, Les Bennett and um, Jim, James Haken, Hankins, who's another consultant out of the UK, have done a lot of studies around this particular um, use of organic branded search as a way to indicate brand health and brand intent, brand consideration mental availability, if you will. And it uh, correlates highly in many categories so far with market share. Um, it's also all correlates so well that in many categories they see it as a predictor um, and it has some other analytical qualities, but we're playing with that right now. And um, with one big system up in the Northwest, we've, we begin to do some work on that. So those are some of the things we use to monitor, you know, our brand and to see that it's continuing to, to grow. Now, have we invested in, uh, in you know, the uh, the modeling? No. Um, we have a lot of data in our industry, but we don't always have a lot of data uh, over time around campaigns and the things we need to, to really feed into a really healthy modeling kind of approach. But I think it'll come. I think it will happen. It's just not. Mm-hmm. There could be some out there I'd love to hear if anyone's doing it.
0: Oh, I, I appreciate the amount of work you've tried to continue to tackle this problem. Uh, I look forward to continuing to get educated by you as well. So um, I appreciate all the time and the conversations that you've given to me this one, and I'm sure plenty more to come and um, any parting words of wisdom or even just like how people can maybe reach out and connect with you as well.
1: Yeah. I, I'm just excited by some of the new things I'm learning from those folks I've mentioned. And you know, continuing to kind of learn and, and try and and discover, but at the end of the day, it's like our jobs. It kind of helps simplify what we do and kind of what brands branding is. And we're finding it. I'm finding the the data and the science that backs it up has been very um, well received by the, the C suite, and um, in terms of beginning to understand and and value the brand build and and uh, so. I would just encourage people to get acquainted with that work. And um, Byron Sharp again, and then Les Bennett and Peter Field. It's very interesting work. Guy that I think is just fantastic. He's a marketing consultant, professor, used to be at MIT called Mark Ritson. And he says those two pieces of work are, you know, perhaps the most important work in marketing in decades. And so we should all be familiar with it is kind of where my head is. Is there a place
0: online that you're kind of best able to get reached or people interact with you?
1: Um, yeah, well, our website is pdog.com, but you can always reach me. I lo- I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm um, just appreciative of the time and the conversation, Jerry. Yeah, thank you so much. I always enjoy talking with you, Brian, and uh, I'm sure we'll have lots more conversations in the future. I look forward to them. Thank you for listening to today's
0: episode of Health Impressions, Authority, Acquisition, Retention. We hope you found the conversation insightful and thought-provoking. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review. Your feedback will only help us improve the show. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on social media or you can send us an email at media at titlehealthgroup.com t-i-d-a-l until next time keep exploring keep learning and keep pushing the boundaries of your knowledge thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again soon